the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. For the past 64 years, and in this very room since 1965, this family has gathered together to keep the feast of our patron, St. Bartholomew. If you have a moment, there's an about the liturgy at the back of the bulletin that has some refresher information about uh, the saint. And on or about his day, his feast day is actually the 24th, so it was yesterday, on or about his day... We throw this big party to celebrate our place and to celebrate our life together. And if you were here on the eve of the Ascension last year, we threw another party, which I think we do quite well, thanks to Sally and her minions. Um, You may remember that on Ascension Day, my friend Mother Beth Maynard preached the homily at the service where I was installed as the rector here. And so last week, as I thought about our life together and what I would say today, I kept coming back to something that she said, to one particular line in her homily. Mother Beth was preaching about the shared ministry that we are called to as rector and people here at St. Bartholomew's. And she said, by way of exhortation, this sentence, or this, this, she said this, you know what would be fun? Let's do some stuff together and call it the kingdom of God. You know what would be fun? Let's do some stuff together. Call it the kingdom of God. And she wasn't being flip. In fact, she was telling us that it was time to get about the business of being the church. The particular church that God has called and shaped us to be at St. Bartholomew's in Nashville. Do some stuff together and see if you don't stumble into the kingdom. So today I want to think for a few moments about some of the stuff that we do together and called the kingdom. You could say the sermon today is about our foundation and it's not just literally about, I mean uh, figuratively about our foundation. I want to talk literally about our actual foundation because something happened here in this place in 1955 at the service to dedicate this nave. The founding members of our parish put some objects into the cornerstone of our church. They put some objects there and those things were to symbolize who we were and who we would grow to be. So I want to think today about each of those objects, starting with the first object, which was a newspaper. First thing they put into the cornerstone was a newspaper. Now I imagine they put it there not just because it has the date and it can mark the time that the church was built, the church was consecrated, but to be a constant reminder to us of why we are here in the first place. Why we're here in the first place. There's a quote that's often attributed to uh, William Temple. Temple was Archbishop of Canterbury. And if he didn't say this, he said something very much like it. Temple is said to have said in the past that the church is the only institution in the world that exists solely for the benefit of those who are not yet its members. Let me say that again. The church the only institution in the world that exists solely 
are primarily for the benefit of those who are not yet its members. Maybe William Temple doesn't do it for you. Then what about this from Dietrich Bonhoeffer? In letters and papers from prison, the church, uh, Bonhoeffer says, the church is the church only when it exists for others. The church is church only when we exist for others. And the newspaper in our cornerstone orients, orients us to life outside our walls, to the lives of those people that we exist for, the people who may not be here with us today, they may not ever be here with us. But it is for them that St. Bartholomew gives away a significant portion of our budget every single year, a large portion of our budget. It's for them that we support missionaries and mission agencies on three continents. It's for them that we, uh, every Saturday night during colder months, we cook a meal and invite men and women that are experiencing homelessness to share a night under our roof. It's for them that our kids go out and volunteer. Some 30 years ago, uh, some lost boys from Sudan found their way to our church and became our friends. Now we're preparing two of them for ordained ministry. They still worship with us today. It is for the people out there that we are actively involved in prison ministry, that we host the Magdalene House graduation for women that are escaping a life of trafficking, a life of abuse. That doesn't even count all the number of you who are involved in social enterprise and your own vocations. St. Bees exists for the world, and that is why we're built on a newspaper. So that's the first object, the newspaper. Object number two is the Bible. Now, I, I don't mention the Bible second because it is second in importance to the newspaper. Of course it's not. The Bible is the most important book that we have. However, St. Bartholomew's is built on both on the, the newspaper and the Bible. In 1963, Time Magazine ran an article on Karl Barth, Karl Barth, uh, the great 20th century theologian, and it quoted him in the, in the piece where he recounted that um, for 40 years he'd been telling young divinity students, young people that were, were studying to be priests or studying to come up in the ministry as, as pastors or professors, he advised them, take your Bible and take your newspaper and read both. But we always leave off the next line. Because the next line, Bart said, was interpret your newspapers from your Bible. So take your Bible and take your newspaper and read both, but always interpret the newspaper from your Bible. At St. Bartholomew's, the Bible is what tells us what is true. We see the world through the lens of the Bible, our, as our articles of religion say that the Bible contains all things necessary to salvation. So that's why our worship is saturated with the Bible. It's why we teach our children from it, why we're creating opportunities, creating opportunities this fall for all of us, from youngest to the oldest, to have more chances to be formed in and by the Bible. Why we go back to its story over and over and over again, because it is the source of our life, and it tells us what is true, what is good, and what is beautiful. So we have the newspaper, we have the Bible, and then thirdly, 
The third object that they put in was a prayer book. They put in a prayer book. If our life has a shape to it, our common life, it is drawn by this book. It's drawn by the Book of Common Prayer. Uh, Derek Olson says that the prayer book is best understood not as a Sunday service book, like we use it, but as a system of Christian formation. It is an entire system of Christian formation because it shapes the way that we pray and how we pray shapes what we believe. Whether it is in the cycle of a day, there are all these cycles built on top of each other in the, in the Book of Common Prayer. The cycle of a day, so we have morning prayer, we have evening prayer, we have conference. Or the cycle of a week. Every week we start the first day together here doing our principal act of worship together, which is the Eucharist. So that's the cycle of the week, marked by Eucharist. Or it's the cycle of a, of a year with all of its seasons and its holy days. And then the one we often forget is it's the cycle of a life. It has rites in it for baptism all the way up to burial. The prayer book hallows our time and it is the rhythm of our life. And it is what our founding members knew could keep us together whatever division we might face, whatever division might be around us in the world. Uh, one of my seminary classmates uh, wrote, co-wrote a book. It's annoying when your seminary classmates write books. Um, but she co-wrote a book about the prayer book. And she said, our liturgy, the words and actions of our worship, is not about each man for himself. It's not about how I like to pray or even about how the priest likes to pray. Indeed, we are keeping a tradition of worship that stretches through time and is shaped by a tradition of prayer passed down from generation to generation. We sang today over and over again in the, in the, the psalm, uh, God, you've been our refuge from one generation to another. And I was thinking about all the people who built this place and who were here at the founding years. Our prayers connect us not just through time, but also through space to all the other members of the Anglican Communion, a worldwide body bound by a shared history and shared worship. We can differ on all sorts of issues, but if we can pray together and if we can confess the creed together, we can stay one family. One last point. <laughs> Alongside the newspaper, the Bible, and the prayer book, they put one more object in the cornerstone. Does anybody know what that is? If you've read your, if you've taken a fine-tooth comb to your uh, website, you know it's on there. Sally can't answer. Does anybody know the last object they put in? There's a hand back here. Nope. It was a cross. Because the cross is where we get our identity. It's what our community is built on, and it's where we get the power to do all the stuff that we do together and call the kingdom of God. As the cross hangs over our altar, it arches over our common life. It is the sign that we, that we trace. We trace it on babies when we're baptizing them. We trace it uh, we, on ourselves when we come into worship. And then when I give last rites to someone, the last thing you do, the last rites of a life, we trace it again, the same cross on someone's forehead. Why do we do that? 
Well, Tertullian was a uh, lawyer turned priest. That's why I like him. I like his, uh, his, his career trajectory. <laughs> Sounds familiar. Um, he's been called the father of the Western church. And Tertullian said this. He said, at every forward step in movement, at every going in and out, when we put on our clothes and our shoes, when we bathe, when we sit at table, when we light the lamps, on couch, on seat, in all the ordinary actions of daily life, we trace upon ourselves the sign of the cross. And it's not superstition. It is a sign of our allegiance to our Lord Jesus Christ. The cross is the most dominant element in our worship space, and our founding members put a cross in the foundation to assure that it would be the most dominant element of our lives some 64 years later. That is who we are. We are a family literally built on the newspaper, the Bible, the prayer book, and the cross. And how firm is our foundation. So on our patronal feast, it continues to be an honor to be one of your priests. And on the day we commemorate him, we ask that St. Bartholomew would pray for us that we may be made worthy of the promises of Christ. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.